0: Cursed media is an often-talked-about subject in the world of the paranormal. And most of the times, we have never found any proof of this. But, is there any truth to the story that when a popular Japanese cartoon was finally cancelled, thousands of people died? Then we travel to a hospital to meet a war veteran who now has a job in his civilian life as a security guard. And part of his job entails him working in the morgue of this hospital. Now, this young man thought he had seen all the brutalities that humans could inflict on each other. But what happens when he comes face to face with brutalities from the darkest reaches of hell? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. Let's go ahead and get this episode started. First off, walking into Dead Rabbit Command, everyone get on your feet and give a big round of applause for our newest Patreon supporter, Lunaris. Woohoo! Yeah, come on in, Lunaris, walking into Dead Rabbit Command looking spiffy in that, I don't know, brand new hat. I'm assuming at some point you got a hat. Lunaris, you're going to be our captain, or pilot this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally get it. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really, really helps out a lot. Also, I want to let you guys know, you guys know that a lot of times I'm on that show, The Asylum Case Studies. Is Tressa's podcast where she brings on different guests and we watch those sci-fi channel Asylum films. It's a great podcast and I was once again invited onto the show where we watched Mega Piranha. It's awful. It was one of the biggest chores I've had. It was even worse than the Insane Clown Posse movie, Mega Piranha. If you want to check that episode out, I'll put it in the links. She has a whole ton of episodes if you're into people sitting around talking trash about people's works, people's hearts and souls and dreams being put into celluloid. yeah, we're just going to laugh at it. We're going to laugh at it for an hour. Mega Piranha was bad. Mega Piranha was so bad. So check out the Asylum Case Studies if you can't get enough Jason this week check that out lunaris let's go ahead and toss you the hair hang glider we're going to jump off the highest point of dead rabbit command we are going to glide all the way out to japan before we get this story started and i'm sorry that we're doing all of these introductions i want to give a shout out to the person who told me about this story they didn't directly tell me they didn't knock on my door they didn't send an email there's a YouTube channel called Shibuna Laguna. It's a brand new channel. I think they have like under 100 subs. And what Shibuna Laguna does, it's about anime stuff. It's about Japanese culture, and it's kind of like weird, spooky stuff. And he recently posted a video called Four Shocking Anime Urban Legends. I had never heard of this story before. So if you're into the world of anime, you really may want to check that channel out. I definitely sub to that channel Let's go back to the early 1980s. We're walking around the streets of Kobe. And we see like a display of all these television sets. And there's like a little cartoon of like a robot punching a penguin. And then there's like a cartoon of a guy turning into a motorcycle or something. And then there's a cartoon of this little girl going. She's like waving her wand around. And we're like, that's weird. Why is everyone paying attention to this? This one, this little girl one. I mean, we just saw a robot beat up a raccoon. I mean, a penguin. We just saw a robot beat up a penguin. That's way cooler. Magical princess Minky Momo was this cartoon that came out in the early 1980s, specifically the year 1982. And this was really, it's considered one of the prototypical, what's called Magical Girl. It's like a subgenre of anime. My familiarity with this subculture is pretty limited. I used to watch anime as a kid, but it was like Akira and Macross and Nausicaa, like the big budget stuff. But the Miki Momo, I guess, is Sailor Moon would probably be considered magical girl. Miki Momo was one of the original magical girl animes. It's also kind of set the trends because the people who made the cartoon, it was by Ashy Productions. Am I, I'm probably mispronouncing that. Because I'm probably mispronouncing that. I just imagine there's dust everywhere. Ashy Productions. They made it, and the team specifically that worked on Minky Momo, they found out really early on that they had two audiences: the little girl audience, which is what they were looking for, and then like fifty-year-old men. And they're like, "Are you kidding me?" (laughs) When they first saw the demographics, they're like, "No, no, your show's doing really great among school-aged girls and fifty-year-old men," and it really they didn't like that. Because they knew why 50-year-old men were watching the show. So, like, they're like, we really love these intriguing plot lines. The writers are like, what plot lines? What plot lines? They, every episode exactly the same. So Minky Momo apparently is about this little girl who comes from some other dimension. Like the dream world or something like that. She comes to Earth and she meets these two... She meets this childless couple, right? This husband and this wife who don't have a kid. And she hangs out and each episode basically a problem is presented and everyone's like, oh no, how will we get through this wacky situation? And then she uses her powers and the situation's resolved. So it's a very, very formulaic show. So it's not like the 50-year-old men are watching it because they like the complexity, the richness of the universe or anything like that. It's a girl wearing a short skirt. So anyway, but that's not what the story... The story's not... News alert, there's perverts in Japan. Can you believe that? Next story. The story has an even... I don't want to say darker because perverts are pretty dark, but this story has has a weird twist. So what happened was this cartoon came out and it was extremely popular. It was an extremely popular cartoon. The problem was it wasn't selling enough merchandise. Like the toy line behind it... ...was sitting on the shelves, which would make sense if you had a lot of adults watching it. They're not going out and buying the compact mirror case and the little purse and the shoes and stuff like that... ...because it's all made for little girls. And Ashy Productions kept telling the Minky Momo team, you gotta do something about this. Like, this totally isn't working. You have to move this merchandise. But what are they going to do? They're just writing a cartoon about a little girl. I mean, I guess they could have an episode where she's like, oh, no, how will I stop this? Oh, maybe I need these shoes. And they show her walk into a Payless Shoe Source and try on shoes for 20 minutes, and then she saves the day. They can't really do anything about that. And they're getting super, super frustrated as the production starts cutting their budget. And they're like, dude, how are you, you... Expect us to draw this... We're drawing as fast as we can, man. How do you expect us to draw this cartoon... Write this cartoon, produce this cartoon without a budget. Now she's like, figure it out, man. Sell more toys. The thing is, is that Ashy Productions and really all the studios back then, they knew they needed to get some of that merchandise money as well. And right now they're looking at the market and it is dominated. It is dominated by a line of toys associated with a show known as Common Writer. And that's like a live action one about like a bug riding a motorcycle or a guy who turns into a motorcycle bug or something like that. Anyways, it's like a Power Rangers type thing. So Bug Motorcycle Man is selling a bunch of toys, selling a bunch of gadgets, selling a bunch of clothes. Mickey Momo isn't doing this despite its popularity. So the team behind Mickey Momo gets so upset with this, so upset with the idea that they're not getting paid what they feel they're worth. They decide to make episode 45, and in episode 45, they completely depower Minky Momo. She loses all of her powers. So by the end of that episode, she goes, I'm just a real girl living with these parents. The show is not going to be the same after this episode. Oh no, <laughs> maybe, maybe if you'd bought my merchandise, I'd still have magical powers. She, they basically depowered her. Optimus Prime can no longer turn into a robot. From now on, it's just going to be a show about a truck. And Ashy Productions is like, whatever, we don't care. They're probably not even watching the show at this point. Like, this was a revolt among the team saying, let's totally shake the game up, and then they'll start giving us more money because we, we can't write a cartoon about a magical girl who doesn't have power. As you Productions, they don't even care. They don't even bat an eye. I think probably at this point, the show's losing them money. So then the next episode comes out. Episode 46. Now, what I don't understand is what were these shows like a weekly show? I know in America, when you have a cartoon that comes out every week, they're not spending the week, <laughs> the next week trying to draw the new one. So I don't know if it was a weekly show in Japan or if it came out like when it comes out. I don't know what the schedule was like. I really couldn't find anything like that because I have some questions about this urban legend. When I say urban legend, everything I've told you so far is true. Maybe, maybe Common Rider doesn't turn into a bug motorcycle. I'm sure I've probably got some of those details wrong, but you have this story, right? This is all true. So episode 45 came out, they depowered her. Ashley Productions doesn't even bat an eye. So they're like, okay, now we've really got to figure this out. Episode 46. It's an infamous episode to this day for multiple reasons. Episode 46, Minky Momo is playing in the street. She's a real girl at this point. And a truck full of Common Rider merchandise is barreling down the road. And she's playing in the street. She's like, oh no, if only I had my official Mickey Momo eyeglasses, I'd be able to see what's in front of me. The truck hits her and kills her. Now, this isn't like a Bart is dead, Squidward suicide type of myth. This episode really happened. This episode really aired. A truck hits this girl, the star of the show, and kills her. And people were shocked. Asher Productions, (laughs) they weren't even watching it. They're like, oh, why why, why all of a sudden we're getting all these angry phone calls. She gets hit by a truck. Now, this show apparently was being broadcast out of the city of Kobe, that area. And after this episode aired, an earthquake hit the city. And another earthquake hit Osaka, which apparently was another place where this show was being broadcast from. Not super devastating, and actually some of the versions of this... Because this is where we started getting into the urban legend fire. Some of the versions say it was an earthquake warning. That ee, ee, like right after that episode aired, there was an earthquake warning. And then I saw other versions that said no. Two fairly minor earthquakes hit Kobe and Osaka after this episode aired. And the team was like, "We're done. Like we've we've killed off our main character. We totally shocked everyone. We subverted your expectations." But even though they were not performing well for Ashy Productions, they were obligated to make more episodes. They weren't. They didn't have a contract for just forty-six episodes. They had more episodes on their contract, so they're like, "Fine, we'll finish out the series." So, episode forty-seven. Minky Momo's just back to life, and she has her powers back. So basically, it does totally get reset. Now she has her powers back. She's flying around. She's solving problems using magic. And the show continues on until May 26, 1983. The show was airing original episodes for around a year. People loved the show. They didn't love the merchandise. They didn't love the merchandise, but the show was still extremely popular, extremely beloved. And the last episode aired on May 26th, 1983. On May 26th, 1983, there was what's known as the Sea of Japan earthquake. Which was, I think it was like a 7.0 earthquake. It was pretty high. And it caused this huge tsunami. And 104 people died in this earthquake. Most of them due to the tsunami. And 324 people were injured. Japan has a lot of earthquakes. Japan has a ton of earthquakes. I don't think that's where the legend started. You had, apparently, either earthquakes or earthquake warnings. <laughs> there's a big difference between the two, right? Earthquakes or earthquake warnings after Minky Momo died. The show ends, there's the Sea of Japan earthquake. And I don't think this is where the urban legend started. But what happened was, fast forward to the 90s. We're in the 1990s now. Everything's doing a revival. Everything that's retro is cool again. The show Magical Princess Minky Momo, the original series, is brought back into reruns. And people are watching the show. They're like, oh, dude, I remember the show. This show is part of my childhood. I really enjoy it. <laughs> I was kind of bummed out in episode 46, but I know everything will be okay. And the show's running as normal. We get to episode 45. She loses her powers. Episode 46, she gets hit by a truck. And then the show just continues until the final episode is aired on January 17th, 1995. January 17th, 1995 was the Kobe earthquake. This earthquake was far more devastating. 6,434 deaths. 43,000 people injured. And this is what gave rise to the story of Minky Momo. The curse of Minky Momo. And in between those two runs of the shows, I have some questions about, about the Urban Legend, but as I was digging into this, I, I found other branches off of this. In between the runs of the original show and the show in the 1990s, because I was like, if this was so popular, you can't tell me they never re-ran it in the middle of the early 80s to the early 90s. Apparently... Apparently, they did run it at some point in the 80s, and there was another quake, but it was minor. That's the thing with urban legends. Sometimes you'll get rid of the details that don't really match. So we have stuff like that. But here's the thing. When you think about this urban legend, you imagine like the episode ends, and then there's an earthquake. But these earthquakes were real. The show was real. My question is, like, the Kobe earthquake... It's a great urban legend, right? Cursed media. I love that stuff. The Kobe earthquake happened just before 6 a.m. in the morning. And the first earthquake, the 1983 earthquake, happened before noon. So when was the show being aired? The 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 dates may line up to the finale, but was the original ending... Back in 1983, was it aired before noon? Because if it wasn't... If the show was being aired in the afternoon... Original run episodes in the afternoon... Then it would have happened after the earthquake. The same thing with the... The reruns, I can imagine being run early in the morning, right? Because they're reruns. So maybe they did air before 6am. But what's interesting is you, you see this urban legend... You can kind of poke at it like that. But there's even other parts of the urban legend. There's an interview that I saw on this Japanese talk show and they were talking about urban legends and apparently it's not just the earthquakes. This role was considered cursed. In between the series, the original run and the reruns, there was a couple movies. There was a couple anime movies about Princess Miki Momo and it got to the point where actresses considered the role bad luck. Because there was three actresses that have played this role over time. One of them had a terrible love life, like just had a a life full of divorce and heartbreak. One of them lost their hearing and one of them got leukemia, which I imagine would be the worst of the three. I would take the first two combined than having leukemia. So the the curse isn't just about the earthquakes. The idea is that this show, the character itself is cursed. And before you take on the role of Minky Momo, you should think long and hard about, is there a curse connected to this? I know I've been talking about this a long time, but I really wanted to set that up. We're wrapping it up right now. The idea, the belief behind this urban legend is this. By killing off the character, it sent like a psychic shockwave. Through all the fans. Nobody expected that. And then they got her back. But you still had that initial psychic scar. right? This was not supposed to be a show that dealt with such a topic. Now they said because this show dealt with heavy topics, it allowed future Magical Princess Girl shows and future children's anime to kind of address darker themes. This was one of the shows that did that. But when the show ended, it reignited that psychic scar and it caused these earthquakes. The people loved the show so much, they couldn't be without it. So, an interesting urban legend. I like the idea of the actor, I'm not saying that I want actresses to be cursed, but that's another layer to it. Is there something behind it? Because you imagine when the writers and the producers of this show were making it. They were so frustrated. They were pouring all of their frustrations and anger into the art. Into this hand-drawn art. And they were getting ripped off. They had one of the most popular shows on at the time. It's iconic at this point. They weren't getting paid. It wasn't like they weren't getting paid what they were worth. They literally were getting less money than they were promised. Their budget was getting slashed. And you can just imagine all of these artists cranking out cell after cell after cell after cell of this cartoon. They're hand-drawing each frame. And each frame they're working their hardest and all that frustration and anger and hate towards their boss is pouring into each drawing. And then you play those drawings at 32 frames per second. It's like casting a spell of anger and rage. Fascinating, fascinating urban legend. Parts of it are true. Is the cartoon responsible for those events? Who knows? But all the the behind-the-scenes stuff was. So those guys were definitely pouring a lot of psychic... If not the fans, the artists themselves were pouring a lot of psychic energy into each drawing. And that coupled with the fans, that coupled with the audience, pouring their own psychic energy into the cartoon... Nuts. It definitely could be cursed media. Apparently, they haven't reran it since. They're like, you can get it on DVD, folks! You can buy this giant box of VHS cassettes. They don't air this cartoon anymore in Japan, apparently. Very, very fascinating and, if true, creepy story. Lunaris, let's go ahead and toss you the keys to the Carpenter Copter. We are leaving behind Japan. We're headed all the way out to a hospital the other day on the export there's been some really good stuff on the export recently there's been a lot of cool stuff on the export over the years but someone asked the question did you ever live in a haunted house what happened and then you had a couple of people posting about times they were in haunted houses but the one that really stood out out of that entire thread the one that really stood out to me was an anonymous person. We're going to go ahead and call this person Sam. Their time that they spent in a haunted hospital. And actually, to be fair, not even a haunted hospital. Let's get into this. Let's go ahead and get started with this. This is a really cool one. We don't have a location, though, right? Everything's anonymous here. We don't have a location. We don't have a time. I think, from based on a couple key details, he says he's a war veteran. I'm going to assume... The Iraq War, right? The second one. So I think this story probably takes place at the very earliest, mid-2000s, right? 2008, maybe, forward, it, I think, would be the time. And we have no idea where this, other than the fact that he's an American veteran, the story probably takes place somewhere in America. So we have Sam. And after his service is done, he gets a job at a local hospital. And part of his duty was working in the morgue. So even though he's a security officer... He also, and, and this is something you probably do, because I mean, you're a security guard at a hospital, you're going to be sitting around a lot, right? So, hey man, you want to help us out down here? And he just becomes part of the morgue team, where he will check bodies in. And he said, you know, I'd seen a bunch of horrible stuff over during the war. You, you get people after car accidents, and stuff like that. Sure, it's kind of gross, but I can handle it. I've seen worse. I can handle this stuff. So a lot of times he would come in, he would check in bodies and be down there. And he says the way that their morgue was set up was basically one large room that had all of these gurneys and the bodies were in bags. The bodies were in body bags. Most of the time, you know, car accident, homicide victim, people falling off of cliffs and stuff like that. You would stick the body in the bag and they'd be there for a couple of days until the loved ones or the family, they'll make arrangements to take the body to have it cremated or to have the funeral done or something like that. So most of the bodies weren't there that long, but some were, right? If they couldn't identify the family to even get the body picked up, if the body's sitting there for a while, if there was no family and was no friends, you're just in that bag. What happens then is that the city takes care of it. They actually have the body removed and it's sent to a crematory usually and it's cremated and then just put in a potter's field maybe, or maybe have the the ashes scattered and things like that. So that's kind of the setup for this story, because sometimes bodies would be there for a while because, shocker, bureaucracy is slow and it sucks a lot of the time. So they would have a body show up and the paperwork wouldn't get processed in time or someone's just not doing their job on the city level and the body would just sit there for days and weeks and maybe like a month or two until finally all the paperwork is finally processed and they take the body out. So that's the setup. Now we're sitting in this morgue with Sam and this body comes in and this body is of an unidentified homeless man. He's wheeled into the morgue and they're checking him in and what they are told is that this homeless man was found Burned alive underneath an overpass. Scorched from head to toe. And he was burned so badly that even the other hobos in the area couldn't identify him. And the police said they couldn't identify him either because he had no teeth. All of his teeth apparently had rotted out over the years. So they couldn't do any sort of dental ID. This body was 100% unidentifiable. So it's going to sit in the morgue for a while until the city gets its act together and processes all this paperwork. And Sam goes I'll say this, it wasn't the most pleasant smell. It wasn't the most pleasant smell once he entered the morgue. He goes there I've heard this before too there's a very distinct smell when human flesh burns. And people in wartime often smell that smell, right? So he goes, yeah, it had like a sweet A sweet smell. Not like sweet like he enjoyed it. Not like he's like, yummy, yummy, yummy. Who brought the jelly Ranchers? It just kind of had like a sweet, sickly smell. Because it's not a fresh burn, right? (laughs) The police didn't bring him in there when he was still on fire. They're spraying him with a fire extinguisher. He's still like all smoky. They're like, here you go, guys. The fire was put out and all that stuff. He is brought in, he's in a body bag, but the smell would still permeate the bag. And Sam goes, a lot of people complained about the smell. It was a little gross, but, you know, you just get used to it. And I, I, honestly, it smelled worse. I had been in way worse situations than a smoky, smoldering bum sitting in my workspace. But one night, Sam was alone in the morgue, which would happen a lot. He was alone in the morgue, and he's filling out paperwork. And at this point the burned-up bum had been there for a while. It was already like a week or two had passed, or, or even more. Sam's filling out paperwork, and all of a sudden... What the... What is... What? He smells burning flesh. Not burnt flesh. He smells actively burning flesh. Something's on fire. And he jumps up, and he is like there's a fire somewhere in here like i don't know how it's possible i'm looking around i'm not seeing fire i'm not seeing smoke but something is burning and he's looking around and he can't figure out where the smell's coming from and as he starts walking towards the burnt up homeless man's body the smell gets stronger So at this point, you would have to assume maybe there's a fire in the body bag. He doesn't see any smoke, but as he's walking towards his body, the smell gets stronger and stronger, and the temperature goes higher and higher. As he's walking towards his body, he feels the temperature of the air actually get hot. It gets so hot, in fact, that he feels if he keeps walking towards this body, he's going to catch on fire. He goes, the heat was so intense, I actually couldn't even get close to the body. The smell had completely filled his nostrils. The heat is burning every centimeter of his skin. He goes back, he calls the fire department, he calls a code red, he lets people know that there's a fire in the building. Fire department shows up, no fire. The heat had disappeared, the smell had disappeared. Now he's just sitting in this morgue with firefighters running with hoses. They're just blasting all the bodies. They're like, there's no fire here, dude. I'm like, as they're walking in, I doubt they could smell anything, right? And Sam's like, listen, I. Okay, like, you know, you would feel embarrassed about this. You call the fire department, they come down there, and you're just kind of sitting there in a morgue, in a morgue that's like 62 degrees or colder. And his boss, Sam's boss, is like, uh, maybe, maybe, like, this job is just kind of getting to you. And he's like, no, 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 it's not getting to me, I'm totally fine, but I, I'm pretty sure I smelled something on fire. And the boss was like, well, maybe you just need to get some sleep, but <laughs> before you go home and get some sleep, you got a shift to finish, young man. So they all leave. The fire department leaves, the boss leaves, and Sam is at this point thinking, yeah, yeah I probably was just imagining something, but that's not like me. I'm not, I'm not someone who hallucinates the smell of burning flesh. He's sitting there, and things go back to normal. Later that night, another body is wheeled into the morgue. It's someone who had just died in a car accident that night. Sam's sitting there, and he's filling out his paperwork. Oh, you gotta be kidding me! The smells back. The heat is back. But this time, it's not focused on the body. It's emanating throughout the room. He said it felt like waves of heated air just hit him over and over and over again. He's trying to finish his paperwork, right? Doesn't want to just leave this. This is part of his job. He is a veteran. He's not going to get scared away by a smell and a temperature rise, right? That, that, what are you going to do? He's filling out his paperwork as quick as he can, and then he hears it. It's faint at first. It takes him a second to realize what the sound is. Because it's so faint when it starts. But as it gets louder, as it becomes deafening, he realizes it's the sound of a man screaming. Okay. I don't need to finish the paperwork. I'm out. And he jumps up, and he begins to run for the door. The screaming, the heat, the smell. He says this is what I imagine hell is like. That's the exact impression he gets from this combination. And as he gets to the door, he feels something grab onto him, and he turns around, and standing right behind him, just inches from him, is flame in the shape of a human... But all he can focus on is this burning man's face. He said, just inches from me, I just see this man. His mouth open wide, screaming, screaming into my face, screaming in pain, screaming in terror. He's looking at me. And it's not that he wants to hurt me. He's grabbing me. He's holding me. He's screaming for my help. He's screaming for me to rescue him. But what can I do? What can I do? He broke free from the grasp of this specter, this revenant, and he ran out of the morgue. <laughs> when he told when he told his boss about this, his boss was like, "Okay, probably should have sent you home after the first time, but you're going home tonight, and I'm not gonna have you working in the morgue for a while." And I don't think I don't think Sam was like, "What? No, come on, man, give me one more chance." He was kind of glad for that. He was kind of glad for that. And he goes, I didn't work in that morgue again until finally, it was like a month later, the city finally got all their paperwork processed and they had the burnt-up homeless man removed so his body could either be buried somewhere or, most likely, and most horrifyingly in this circumstance, cremated. And his ashes scattered. Sam then started to work in the morgue again, and he goes, even though I worked in the morgue after this man was removed, every time I went in there, my nostrils were still filled with the smell of burning flesh. Very, very interesting story. Interesting ghost story. I have to put this caveat out there, right? This was posted anonymously online. Is it true? We don't know. The, the question is, is the story real in any way, shape, or form? Or did someone just type a spooky ghost story and insert it in an area where we were talking about real ghost stories? It's always a possibility, right? If someone's having a good chuckle about this, aha, he fell for it. It sucks, right? I don't like to tell stuff that's knowingly false on this story, on this show. But And that could be anything, right? We read books and articles that could 100% be false when we're talking about the world of paranormal. But I wanted to wrap this story up like this. It's a typical ghost story. It's creepy. We have all of the scents and the smells and the sensations of a man's death coming back. Not just the ghost itself, but the circumstances of the death coming back. Very, very interesting story. But I wanted to take this back to another place. We don't know how he caught on fire in the first place. The other homeless people underneath the overpass saw that he was burning alive, but they don't know what caused it. If it was like an accident, he accidentally set his clothes on fire, spontaneous human combustion. They don't really know. And so the police didn't know if it was a homicide or an accidental death. They just wheeled him in. And since they couldn't identify him and they couldn't figure out what killed him, that's just kind of the end of the investigation. But as I was reading this story and the fact that he comes back as a figure made of flames, I thought... Let's put our conspiracy caps on to wrap up this episode. How many homeless people do you think sell their souls to the devil? I mean, it's kind What's the opposite of a rhetorical question? Rhetorical question is something we both already know the answer to. What's the opposite of that? Because this is a question that I, I... don't know if there's an answer. If anyone has this answer, and we can look at it both ways. One, we can have the idea: of when you're homeless, when you're homeless and living under an overpass, what do you have to lose? I mean, obviously, you're a mortal soul, but you're not thinking about that. What do you have to lose? I'm not saying this right now. There's some bum listening to this podcast underneath the bridge. He's like, "You're right, Jason. Maybe I should sell my soul." But my point is, is that like at that point, when you're living under an overpass. You have to be thinking, this can't get any worse. And if you sold your soul to the devil, you could... (laughs) It does sound like I'm running a recruitment ad, but you could get money. You could get out of your situation. Now, selling your soul to the devil isn't as simple as saying, selling my soul to the devil. There's rituals and all sorts of things. And even then, it's a little eyebrow-raising how common this actually can be. But, I mean, why not? <laughs> I feel like I'm running a recruitment ad, but why not even dry? If you're that homeless, you've been homeless for years. I'm not saying you got evicted from your apartment tomorrow. You're like, honey, it looks like uh, one of us got to sell our soul to the devil. When you're living under an overpass, when you're homeless, you all your teeth are gone. Right? What do you have to lose? So I was thinking, what if this guy sold his soul to the devil? And... He caught on fire, right? The reason why, I'm not saying that every homeless person who dies, they die they have sold their soul to the devil, young man. It's because the way he came back when he's on fire and he's walking around the morgue, the heat emanating off of him and the fact that Sam felt like he they were in hell makes me think like his soul was still burning type of thing. But then I thought, so we have that, because why wouldn't a homeless person want to sell their soul to the devil? But then I thought, and we'll wrap it up like this, What if... That's always a key word in the world of the paranormal, right? What if he wasn't homeless and sold his soul to the devil? What if this was the end result... Of him selling his soul to the devil? That's always the key, right? I mean, sure, it does sound like it came right out of a Wishmaster movie. But even going back to like the Faustian bargain... It's the idea that your wishes go sideways. So if a man sold his soul to the devil... Maybe he wasn't a homeless man selling a soul to the devil. Maybe he had sold a soul to the devil decades prior. And through that bargain going sideways, he's like, man, I wish I could sit at home and just kick my feet up on the couch all day long. And Satan's like, done. And you're like, wait, what? I wasn't trying to sell my soul. And then what's the ultimate freedom in life other than to be a hobo? And this what he made his wish for glory and riches and he got those at some point because we don't know who this guy was, right? It could be Kenny Loggins for all we know. And the, the one you see today is a clone. You have this person make this deal with the devil and the devil always wins, right? Your life just decays in front of you. You got what you wanted, but that wasn't what you needed and your life decays in front of you. And then you're underneath that overpass and you have to imagine every day Every night, this man was worrying that the price for that bargain would come due, and he made a deal with the devil. And each day that passes, it's getting closer and closer to the time that the devil will return and take what is his. And on this night, the devil showed up and burned the man alive, and that's why his soul is burning in agony. Now, obviously, the most (laughs) the most likely scenario either is that the story's fake, or the most likely scenario is that accident right this guy accidentally burned himself alive but it just i loved it as a ghost story and then i just started thinking i wonder how much of the homeless community traffics in black magic traffics in the stuff because what do you have to lose really what do you have to lose at this point so do homeless people worship the devil? I guess is kind of what I'm saying. Or are people homeless because they worship the devil? You're like, Jason, both of those statements are super insensitive. I'm not saying that every homeless person you see sold their soul to the devil. I'm just saying maybe some of them. Just an interesting conspiracy theory. I wonder what the Venn diagram is. I'm sure it's very small, if it exists at all. But homeless people and people who've sold their soul that sounds absurd now that i'm saying it out loud in my head i was like oh dude this would be to- totally weird man it'll be creepy but i wonder like if you do have a crossover between because if i was the devil dude i'd totally be hanging out underneath overpasses <laughs> i was like this grand castle in hell boring i'm gonna hang out under the overpass down in florida and get me some souls i can totally see you, know, you got nothing to lose right I, can't, I, can't, I gotta stop saying that, because I'm so afraid people are like, you know, Jason's a really cool show, but he's really, really trying to get homeless people to sell their souls to the devil. It's a creepy story, nonetheless, and I think it opened up a new creepy conspiracy theory for me. Like, does the devil prey on the homeless? Does the devil... We know he preys on the weak, right? We know he preys on people who are either weak of heart or weak of mind, And that could be someone who's selling their soul to become rich and famous. It could also be someone who's selling their soul just to be like, I want to eat tomorrow. I haven't eaten in like two weeks. I'd sell my soul for a ham sandwich. The devil shows up. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. It It does sound a little bit ridiculous. It does. But what a creepy story. And I'll tell you this, man. I really enjoyed that horror story. I hope it's true, right? We don't know, though. We don't know, but I did really enjoy it. I really did enjoy the story about that bum being burned alive. It's a horrible story, but it's a ghost story. It's really cool. And yeah, new new conspiracy theory. Are homeless people actually making deals with the devil? Maybe. That's the answer to that conspiracy theory. Maybe. It might be. And that's spooky, right? You're like walking down the street and some guy's like, yo, can I have some change? And you're like, no, no, I don't have any change on me. And then you hear, you hear hellhounds coming up behind you. You're running away from invisible dogs of wrath. Who knows? That last part's made up right. That last part's never happened, but it would be creepy if it did. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.